Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Father, thank you for this text. I thank you for the Apostle Paul's faithfulness to uh, your task, your mission. And uh, Father, that even today we, we are fruit of his ministry. Father, you showed me yet again these last couple of days out east that everybody puts great value on their opinion. And Father, you showed me the true authority of your scripture is irrelevant to anyone else's opinion. Help us. Help us to understand that it is all about you, period. And Father, help us to look upon this text with the great praise and adoration that we hear in the Apostle Paul. May it be mirrored in each of our lives. In Christ's name, amen. We are looking at the Trinity's plan, and we're in a, an, an area called the inheritance guaranteed. We looked at the ground of our inheritance. We see that there is a divine perspective and a human perspective, which is just amazing if you really look at it. And today we are going to move into the guarantee of our inheritance. Okay? We, we understand the ground. The ground of our inheritance was God's divine plan before the foundations of the earth, and then it is through our belief. We believe, and therefore... Okay, so the question that will always come up, okay, I see that, I understand that God has a plan. I understand that in his plan, I have a responsibility. Okay, that's no problem. But how do I know this is going to happen? How do I know that? I mean, it's easy to say, well, I believe, okay, but why? How can you know that? I was teaching out one of the messages. I don't even remember which one it was uh, out east. I was showing everybody faith and hope. You can't change them. It's the same coin. What you put your hope in is what you have your faith on. What you have your faith on is what you have your hope in. You can't separate those. Now, we try to. We try to. We try to tell everybody, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I hope the stock market does better. Well, no, that is irrelevant. I don't have to worry about that. Okay? How can I know what this book tells me over and over and over again is going to happen? Okay? I see people even today mocking the second coming. But that's all right. It's not the first generation to do it. All right? Because everybody told me it's going to be 2000 or all the computers crashed, the earth's going to explode, and Jesus is coming back. I was like, what? I said, if it was that obvious, he wouldn't tell us we don't know. <laughs> so. Understand what we looked at in Corinthians. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. When you became a Christian, do you know the instant you became a Christian, 
God took up residence in your life? That instant. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a change. That had better be a change. If not, you may want to go back to square one. But if you have God taking up residence in your life, there should be no way you hide that. There is something new in your life. The Spirit of God is there. He comforts us. He counsels us. Oh, by the way, He convicts us. And I I shared this in one of my messages. You want to see a mature Christian? It's not how long they've been in a church. It's not a matter of how many Bible studies they've, they've done or taught. It ain't got nothing to do with it. A mature Christian is when the Holy Spirit convicts, he or she immediately changes. Immediately. A young Christian wants to reason together. Are you really sure that that's a sin? Are you sure? Well, well, God, if it's a sin, why? And it goes on and on and on and on, but that's immaturity. Listen, he is there in every believer. And he's not there only to empower you. He is not there only to fill your life for service. He is not there to equip you for ministry. Those are not the only things he's doing. But he's also there to give you the guarantee, to give you the confidence of your inheritance. Now, I know none of you have ever doubted. And that's because the Holy Spirit is there. But if you ever doubt, all you're saying is, is this real? And it won't be very long after that doubt creeps in that the Holy Spirit says, I'm talking to you. And that's comforting. That's very comforting. He guarantees our inheritance. He is there to give every Christian who has ever been or whoever will be or who is here right now confidence. That's all Romans 8 is. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's doing. Go read Romans 8. That'll freak you out. You just go cruising through that and you're like, oh, wow, man. When we are led by the Spirit, Romans 8 says, we know we are sons of God. Right? When we are led by the Spirit, then we know we are sons of God. Because we know what is happening is the work of the Spirit. Okay? Listen, if He ain't leading... And hasn't? Back it up. That means you need to read Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 321. Okay? That one there, that'll kind of get you on the, okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, all right. Because you talk about an uncomfortable text. I've got a sticker on my back of my truck. It's RR1. 
And the guy asked, he said, what is that? And then down at the bottom in small print, it says, read Romans 1. And if you read Romans 1, I don't care who you are. You just sit there and go, ooh. That is the doctrine of sin, by the way. One of the issues that is in the body of Christ right now, people don't know what they were saved from, which is fascinating to me. How did that work? Oh, perhaps it didn't. There was a very popular book that was out a number of years ago. Everybody was bound and determined that this was God-breathed. This is a good book. And what I do is when I find these books that are in mass influence, I'll go grab one and I read it to the point that it's error. If there's no error in it, I'll finish the book. Okay, now I didn't get very far into this one. I think barely through chapter 2. And he had seven things that he listed out. If you do these seven things, at the bottom of the list was, you are now a Christian. And it's fascinating. I was like, wow, man. Because a lot of it was real close. There was one problem that I had with it. It never said anything about sin. So what did you get saved from? A bad job? I don't know. What did you get saved from? When we are led by the Spirit, then we know we are sons of God. That is his confirming work. There is, I think that if everybody's honest with yourself, early in your Christian life, there were all kinds of doubts. And it was almost, almost all the time. You just kept getting bombarded by, you know, uh, uh, old memories. I remember a, a story was told to me one time. The founder of Queer Nation, the founder, which is a militant homosexual group out of California. Surprise. But anyway, he was diagnosed with AIDS and he was all he when they diagnosed him, he was progressing far enough down the pike that his time was short. And so he started telling all of his buddies that, you know, man, I'm starting to look at my mortality here and what comes after death and this, that, and the other. And they told him that, well, if you want to get this resolved, then you need to go to this church called Grace Community Church. Just go to that church and they'll explain to you what uh, eternity is. I thought that was fascinating that... The people in Queer Nation understood that there was a church that was lifting up the Word of God as truth. So, you know, go there and listen. So he got a guy, guy came, and he got plugged into Grace Community Church that any time the doors were open, he was there. And Bible studies and small groups and sermons and, and, and all this stuff. He was always there. He came to salvation. Can you believe that? It's amazing what the Word of God does, isn't it? Anyway, the guy got saved. And he was thrilled to death. His Every day he was getting weaker and weaker. He was thrilled to death. One day, he had a meeting with the pastor. He said, I need to talk to you. And, of course, John said, all right, let's, let's talk. And he said, uh, I'm really struggling. And he says, what are you struggling about? And he said... I love the Lord. I love his word. But I have to be honest with you. 
I struggle with the memories of my past. And he says, and I'll be honest with you, some of them creep in and they're very tempting. And I know it's a sin against God. I can't overcome these stupid things. All of these memories of things that I have done keep creeping in. And they they tempt me. John says, all right. So John takes out a little bitty notebook. He says, I want you to take this home. He said, all right. He says, and he opens it up and there's nothing in it. And he says, every time you have one of those thoughts, take and write it down in this notebook. And I said, in a week, we'll meet again. And then we'll go through your notebook and see what you were looking at. Said, all right. So a week later, they meet. The guy comes in. He's got a little grin on his face and. John says, well, where's the notebook? And he hands him the notebook, and he opens it up, and guess what? Ain't nothing in it. And John says, well, I told you whenever you had these thoughts, write that thought down in this notebook. And he says, I was so scared of sharing those thoughts with you, I never had another one. And I thought, wow, that's, that's one way to get that done. But I want you to understand something. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, what are you hiding? Where are you going to hide it? You don't have to write it down. If you're sitting there and something comes across, there is a, a an individual at cowboy camp every year. And I'll tell you what. He's living proof I'm saved. Okay? I, that's all I can tell you. I had never met a more miserable creature in my life and he loves sharing his misery and i mean just drive you nuts and and it's like i said i've known him for a long time and so he always makes sure he seeks me out and tries to impart some grain of wisdom to me i don't know what he's doing other than you know all all i know as soon as i go in and i see him i'm like come quickly lord (laughs) hurry okay so anyway This guy's out there, and I'm sitting there going, Lord, I don't get this. Because there are certain texts that I deal with that he is adamantly against. And I told him like I tell anybody, then just mark that one out of your Bible. But anyway, so, and of course, we rolled into it this time, and I did, and of course, right after one of them, he comes up and does this thing, and you're like, geez, you know, your poor wife. But anyway... (laughs) I share that because, you know what? He's among us. And I mean, you can just be as annoyed as you want to be, but that don't change it. Why? Let the Spirit deal with them. That's what I do. I know you're doing the same thing I do. I wish you would deal with it faster. (laughs) Could you... Speed it up a little bit. But you have to ask yourself sometimes, is that individual being used for you? Or are you being used for that individual? Okay? Because sometimes, let's be realistic, our faith needs to be tested. Right? Or maybe yours isn't. Mine is almost moment by moment. Because that confirming work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, His Spirit bears witness with ours. 
that you can take comfort. I don't care what it is. You can take comfort in it. I don't care what the tragedy is. I don't care what's going on around in your life right now. You can take comfort from the Holy Spirit. But you also have to understand, sometimes these things up. Go read James. Okay? How does your faith grow in the book of James? Trials and tribulations. And if you're really honest with yourself, ain't that true? When you've got a heavy burden to bear, you become the proverbial prayer warrior. When there ain't nothing happening, what happens to your prayer life? I remember a guy one time told me, he says, you either can stay on your knees before the Lord or you can be driven to your knees by the Lord. And I was like, well, we don't want to call that one, do we? I'll just stay down here. They said James, the half-brother of Jesus, had calluses on his knees when he died. They called him camel knees from praying. Our security is guaranteed. All right? So when you look at this, you have to ask yourself, or, well, this is what I do anyway. Having also believed, you were sealed. Now, what the heck does that mean? That I was sealed. Okay? Because I used to be an electrician, and you'd have people would come up with this, these goofy things. And uh, they, they, one I remember specifically, this lady had gone to Mexico and bought this thing. And she decided she's going to put lights on it. And she says, you know, there's a little hole here. and We can drop the cord down and bring it out the side. And, and then I can use this thing for a lamp. Uh, and I was like, I wouldn't even want that thing in my garage. So anyway, she, she gives this and I says, I, I can't do it. And she says, why? I says, because I'm insured and licensed, but I am not UL underwriters lab. I can't do that. Okay. It was it was unlawful for me to do that because everything I have to deal with has to be underwriters laboratory sealed. And they got a little sticker. Go check it out. Go look at your house. You'll see a little sticker right there. that says UL sealed. And anything's got electricity in it, that has to be there, which means that it's grounded. It means that it's all protected and all that. And there's some guy sitting in a big old office somewhere sealing this stuff, making more money than God and ain't doing nothing. I love those. I, I, why can't I think of something stupid like that and get paid for it? But anyway, and I, and I told her I couldn't. Couldn't do it. Why? UL sealed. You remember the, the good housekeeping seal of approval? Right? The seal of the Holy Spirit is also used, or sealing, on official documents. Okay? You would seal it. The Spirit of God is the seal of... And what does that mean? Well, there's four things. I want you to think about this. Two other times in Scripture, this seal of God, seal of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, both speak of the seal of the Holy Spirit. 
The sealing work of the Spirit. Okay, four things. One, it is a sign of security. A sign of security. Uh, if you go down to the gas station and you look at the panels there that the numbers all flash up on and all the rest of it, you look over on one of the sides, right there where that little panel would open up, there's a seal on that from the state of Colorado, which means that that number you're seeing and the price that you're seeing is accurate. And the state verifies it. And when they verify it, they close it back up and they put that seal on there. It's security. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, Daniel had gotten in trouble. He, they had passed a decree that no one was allowed to pray to anyone but the emperor. So they passed the decree, and the next day his adversaries were waiting. He opened up his windows, he looked toward Israel, and he began praying to Jehovah. By the decree, he was to be thrown in the lion's den. If you go read that in chapter 6, you'll see that they threw him in there, and then there was a seal that was hot wax was poured on it. It was sealed, and the emperor came in, and he put his signet on that, which means that only a person with more authority than me can open that. Okay? They did the same thing at Christ's tomb. They rolled the stone in front of his burial. And they had the Romans come in and put a seal on it so that no, anybody would know that this thing was tampered with. And when they did that, the only person who can open that stone has to have greater power than Rome. All right? When you became a Christian, God placed his Holy Spirit in you. And now you are secure. You are secure. No one can touch this unless he is more powerful than God. Okay? I mean, Romans says, what can separate us from the love of God? The end of Romans 8. And he lists all these things. And he says, what in creation can separate me from the love of God? So the only thing that can separate you from the love of God has never been created. That's amazing to me. It has to be authority greater than God. It has to be beyond the bounds of human understanding to be separated from the seal of the Holy Spirit. We are secure in Christ, and that Holy Spirit is that security. He is that seal. That we are secure. Second thing. It's a sign of authenticity. Authenticity. When we get his Holy Spirit. It is announced throughout. Existence. Don't mess with this person. This is an authentic child of the king. Okay. An authentic Christian is one who possesses the Holy Spirit. And it was sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being 
authentic. Authentic. Okay? One is security. Two is authenticity. Three, it is a sign of a completed transaction. All right? When you have some paperworks, uh, when you finish the transaction, then they'll roll a scroll up, they'll put a wax seal on it, and somebody impress it and says, this is, it is done. There's nothing left to do here. If you go down to the records place here in town, you, there are vaults of sealed documents of death certificates, birth certificates, marriage certificates, all of these things, and they all get a seal of the state of Colorado put on them. In Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah is interesting. However, you cut that thing. Early in the, le- the letter of Jeremiah, God gets hold of Jeremiah. And God says, I want you to pour your heart out. I want you to pour your whole life on the nation of Israel. Okay? Oh, and by the way, at no one at no time is going to listen. Now, what a job is that, man? All right? But, go for it, Jeremiah. And I, I, you've just got to ask yourself. I mean, okay, you want to send a voice to the people of rebellion? Great. But you're telling me that no one will listen? Remember why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh? Remember that? I don't want to go there. Why? Because if you're sending me there, I know what that means. They're going to repent. And you know what? They did. But in Jeremiah's case, he says, I want you to go. These are my people. These are the people who are caring for the oracles of my word. I want you to go to them. I want you to pour yourself out. I want you to pour your life into these people. And not one of them at no time is going to listen to you. Wow. Crying and weeping. You go through his, they call him the weeping prophet. You go through that letter and you, man. The, I mean, well, he writes another letter. You know what it is, right? Lamentations. Okay? What a letter. All right? He, he had to do all his stuff. God would say, okay, I want you to lay on your right side for three months. Jeremiah did it. Then when he got done, he says, now I want you to lay on your left side for three months. Guess what? He did it. That's probably the easy part of his ministry. He had a bunch of strange things that he had to do. And yet the whole time when he was not doing these strange things, he was to stand and proclaim Okay, he was so faithful. He was so faithful in chapter 32. God told him to go buy a field. 
You'll never take possession of it. I just want you to buy it. And Jeremiah went and did it. If you read through chapter 32, he does this. And when the deal is done, what happens? He was given the seal of the completion of the transaction. That's pretty impressive. If you think about it. You're going to do all this and nobody's going to listen. You know what it reminds me of? Jesus Christ. You're going to do all this and nobody's going to listen. And when he was on the cross, what did he say? Tell Telestai. It is finished. And the word Telestai means there's nothing missing. I mean, you literally, without being a heretic, can say it is perfect. It is perfect. Now then, what does that mean? Well, if you go look at the book of Revelations, there is a scroll with seven seals on it. And who is worthy to open the scroll? That's easy. The one who finished the transaction. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's the title deed of existence. It is finished. Listen, I see too many people believe that they are in the process of getting saved. That ain't right. You either are or you're not. So when we put our faith in the Lord Christ Jesus, God immediately gives you the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the transaction is done. There's nothing else missing. It is finished. Okay? So it's a transaction. All right? It's security. It's authenticity. Got that? Fourthly, it is a sign of authority. This one here is always kind of like you... you, There's just... Sometimes you read something and you're like, hmm... I remember reading when I studied Hebrews years and years ago. I came to that, I think it's 13, where it says, you need to honor and respect your elders for they keep watch over your souls. And I thought, because the first time I read it, I was like, well, that ain't right. Because my first response, and I don't, you may think this wrong, but my first response is, those are your sheep. That ain't my sheep. I don't know no sheep. Get someone else to watch them sheep. Now, you guys can sit and say, well, I can't believe you would do that. Really? Come walk with me for a little while and you'll see, man, this is some crazy sheep running around here, man. And a handful of goats. It is a sign of authority that God, when God gave us his Holy Spirit, you know what he did? There's this cry from heaven. In the spiritual realm. And says. Look world. See these. They speak with my authority. That's why I'm stuck with this book. People say. Well is that all you do is that book. Yep. Why? Because anything else is an opinion. I'm going to use this authority. And if you don't like it. Take it up with the author. Not my job. I'm in sales. This is what it says. All right? 
And, you know, and I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, there's times you want to see people change. And then all of a sudden you realize that's God's going to do that. I would like to tell you I learned that immediately in my ministry, but I didn't. I just learned it last night out at cowboy camp. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. No, man, it's just when you use this book. You are telling the world that you speak with the authority of God. I don't need you to quote me a book about the Bible. Tell me what the Bible says. I don't care what your opinion is. Because you know what I've learned? Your opinion is of great value to you. That's about it. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, you can share it all you want. I Trust me, I get it shared with me on a daily basis. Someone wants to tell me their opinion. Okay? That's, hey, whatever, that's your opinion. But the truth of the matter is, what is God's opinion? Okay? So the world sees us and we speak with the, His authority because of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. This thing that you see here listed, given as a pledge of our inheritance, you are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That promise, the guarantee of the inheritance. Every Christian who possesses the Holy Spirit can know that he is secure can know that he is authentic or she is authentic, understands that he delegates divine authority to us. And he shows that the transaction is finished. It is done. God gave us an inheritance. And to make you secure in that inheritance... He gives you the Holy Spirit. And you can put all your confidence in it. That's If you read some of the martyrs and the confidence that they had, do you understand the reason they have that confidence is because they understood their inheritance? That's one of the things that's always befuddled me. There's several movements going on right now on going and seeking your spiritual gift. And if you badger the Holy Spirit long enough, he'll give you whatever it is your gift you're wanting. Okay? I've never understood that because I've never seen anybody ask for the Holy or the spiritual gift of singleness. That's just kind of odd. There is a spiritual gift of it. Paul speaks of it in 1 Corinthians. But nobody wants that. I don't want singleness. Paul says, I've got it. He said, uh, if you're not married, I wish you would stay like me. But he also understood that you're only going to do that if God gives you the power to do it. Okay? Do you understand that if I am secure, if I'm authentic... If I I am understanding the finish of the transaction and I can speak with the authority of Scripture, 
what else do you need? Can you think of something? He says, in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Can anybody tell me one promise that God hasn't kept? Every promise in the person of the Holy Spirit is yes. Is yes. That is the guarantee of our inheritance. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the spirit that indwells your people. Father, may we rest in the absolute assurance of that. May we understand how secure we truly are. Father, may we understand that it's through the power of your Holy Spirit in these earthen vessels that our authentic lives step forward saying we are children of the King. Father, may we understand that this transaction is done, signed, sealed, and delivered. But, Father, may we understand we possess this book, this book in 66 letters, is that which was incarnate 2,000 years ago. The Word became flesh and walked among us. Father, help us. Help us to grow in this understanding. But, Father, help each of us to grow in the faith of this understanding and the confidence of this understanding and the hope of this understanding. Father, that is your work. Paul's already said, who is adequate? Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Savior. In Christ's precious name, amen.